Uh, hi, my name is Sam. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I am celebrating recovery from addiction. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. That's what happens with age. Hi, my name is Shaney. I'm a grateful believer <laughs> who is celebrating recovery from the effects of past mental, physical, and sexual abuse. Sam, will you pray for us? Yes. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this place. It's just... Uh, it's just an amazing place that brings families and lives that were separated back together, uh, brings sanity to the insane, and uh, just shows people a different way to live and that there is hope. Uh, so that whoever needs to hear this story tonight, hear it, um, and just uh, calm our nerves as we deliver your story. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Should ask for a stool softener. <laughs> I'm all hers. You must be proud. All right, it's time to get serious now. As I said before, my name is Sam. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I'm celebrating recovery from addiction. Hi. My mom was 17 years old when she had me. Her and my dad divorced at such an early age, I have no memories of them together at all. I lived with my mom and my grandmother, and although I did live with my mom, I really don't remember seeing much of her or receiving the love you get from a mom uh, from her. My grandmother was the one who took care of me and loved on me. It was the only loving attention as a child I would ever get. Then one day, when I was six, I was taken from the security of my grandmother to live with my dad his new wife and my stepsister, new stepsister. We were, very, we were a very dysfunctional family. Parties, drugs, alcohol, and physical abuse were the norm. We moved often, never staying anywhere for long. I went to at least four di 14 different schools that I can remember, and I found it very hard to make friends as I was always the new kid in school. I was teased and picked on often for being skinny, having super curly hair, and crooked teeth. This is where all my insecurities began. When I got into high school, things didn't change until one day a friend smoked a joint with me. I immediately found peace and comfort from myself. All my insecurities seemed to fade away. I felt more confident and outgoing instantly. This was my escape from reality, and harder drugs would soon follow. Just out of high school, my stepmom committed suicide, and one month later, my dad passed away. And once again, I found comfort in drugs, drugs and sank deeper into my addiction. I moved to Modesto and met a girl there and got together with her and had fun at first, but it became chaotic fast. We had a baby girl, and I thought she would be the reason I got my act together. I stayed in the relationship for a long time, thinking, things would, think, thinking that things would change and get better, but if nothing changes, nothing changes, and I certainly wasn't changing. Proverbs 26.11 says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. I left that relationship and still continued to get involved in toxic relationships, not realizing that I was the common denominator in all of them. Then one day at the mall, I met an amazing, beautiful woman. Her name was Shaney. Okay, so before I start, I want to confess something. When Scott asked Sam and I if we could give our testimony tonight, my, my, mind found, bleh, my mind found all kinds of reasons to say no. 
I don't feel well, I'm not ready, I need to update it, but my words were yes, because this is what I learned early in this recovery journey, to give back when asked. So if we mess this up, you can blame Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so much like Sam, I too grew up in an abusive environment where alcohol was the answer. I was abused and raped by the time I was 11. I tried to be perfect so that I would receive some positive attention, but I was always left feeling like I was in the way and that I didn't belong. I had a severe speech problem when I was little and people could never understand what I was saying. I now realize that this is when I begin to withdraw. I would always just stand back and try to be invisible so that I didn't have to talk to anyone. I felt unworthy, unloved, and unwanted. My first memory of experiencing freedom from these feelings was when I got drunk for the first time at the age of seven. This was the beginning of my self-destructive behaviors. For many years, I used alcohol, drugs, and attention from guys to fulfill my desire to fit in and be wanted. This just led to deeper darkness as I kept finding myself in abusive relationships that fed into my insecurities. By the age of 20, I was married with two children. Throughout this marriage, I was abused physically and sexually, cheated on and controlled in every way possible. I finally gained the courage to leave him in, a, in an attempt to protect my children. I did not want them to grow up as I did, thinking that this was the way a man is to treat a woman. This was a turning point in my life. I was determined to never be a victim again. I built up walls to protect myself and pushed everyone out. I was determined to never allow anyone to control or harm me or my children again. I immediately fell back into my old behaviors, seeking comfort in alcohol and men. I was using people for what they could give me, and when I was done, I pushed them away. Then came a man at the mall. He was lighthearted, and he made me laugh. Still does. <laughs> Shani was different from any woman I'd ever met. She was a great mom and her kids loved her. When we went out as friends at first and partied together, then we became roommates and eventually a couple. I was sure she would be the one to take care of me and fix all of my problems. <sighs> Still trying. <laughs> we had been dating for a while and things were going good, so I asked her to marry me. She said yes, and we married in June of 2000. I was I was married to a beautiful woman who loved me for me. We did lots of family activities together. We did Taekwondo, went camping often, and made trip after trip to the ocean. Everything was perfect, all except for one thing. And that was when I would ask our kids to do something, they very rarely ever did what I asked. I would ask them again, with the same, and they would give me the same response. And then in a short period, I would lose, I would lose my temper. I would blow up and become verbally abusive, yelling and cussing so that they could hear me. I did what I saw as a child rather than being a loving and understanding parent. I had no idea how to be a parent and acted the way that my parents did with me. Our kids would always tell their mom, and why wouldn't they? And she would always side with them, and she wouldn't listen to me. And I thought that I was a good, I was a good dad because I was not physically abusive. Although we argued often, I thought things were great. It's how I grew up and it seemed totally normal to me. I was failing as a husband and a parent, and so I returned to the comfort of drugs once again. 
It didn't take long to become completely dependent on drugs with nobody knowing it. And wherever my head, once again, I prayed and asked God for help, but he didn't answer. And then one day after fishing with my mom and my son, I came home thinking my secret was safe one more day. My wife called me into the bedroom. She pulled back the covers on the bed and there was all my drugs and paraphernalia. My heart sank. I was caught. I felt the lowest I had ever felt in my life. The hurt in my wife's eyes was the worst. I never meant to hurt anyone, but I did. She asked me to pack my stuff and move. So I packed and said goodbye. But I made sure to get the shoes in the bottom of the closet. She didn't know about the bag of dope that was there or the pipe that was in them. I was already kicked out. What's it gonna hurt to get high one more time? I went to my aunt's and my mom's house in Stockton. But before I got to there, before I got there, I knew what I had to do. I threw the drugs out and the pipe into a field and started day one. So from the outside, we appeared to be this happy little family. From the inside, we were dysfunctional and abusive in our behaviors. I was extremely controlling and did not allow my husband to have a voice. The kids followed my example and rarely showed Sam any respect. Anytime that he would argue with them, I would side with them regardless if they were right or not because I thought that I needed to protect them. Yet I struggled with anger and distrust and would often explode, cussing and yelling because I felt like I wasn't being heard. I have spanked my children in the midst of this anger, letting them know how disappointed I was. I blamed Sam for the chaos in our home, not because he was any worse than I was, but because it was easier to look at his faults rather than face my own. But the truth is I caused my family great harm, creating in them the same feelings that I had felt for so many years, feelings of not being good enough. Sam reminds me that it wasn't all bad, and he's right, we did have a lot of good times, but more times than not, within those good times, I felt that same tension that I felt as a little girl, just waiting for the next argument. I always felt like I needed to be a mediator between my husband and my children. Things progressed over the years to a point where I just wanted to run. The arguments in our home became louder and more abusive. Sam and I would go to bed at night without speaking a word to one another. I threatened divorce because I was so tired of fighting. Then on my 41st birthday, after a day of fighting, we came to church, and through tears, I prayed along with Pastor Rick and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I was starting to realize that I needed something different. I was exploring what this meant in my life, and then came the moment that changed everything. On February 12, 2011, I discovered that my husband was an addict and he was deep in his addiction. God found me on my knees this day, exhausted, confused, and desperate. I moved into my aunt's and went through the detox process. No fun. While at church, I heard several times about this place called Celebrate Recovery and was right here at the church. Feeling totally lost and completely hopeless, I asked my uncle if he would take me. He said yes. And the first Tuesday after being asked to leave, I attended my first CR meeting. I was not feeling well, or I was not feeling good, but the worship music put me at a place of ease for a moment, and the main reason I kept coming back for so long. And they didn't disappoint tonight. <laughs> it gave me a feeling of hope. I left right after large group. I did that for a while, leaving after large group because of fear. Then I got into a treatment program 
because I thought that I would get my wife, because I thought that would get my wife back. I did my 28 days and was graduating the program. My wife came for the graduation with the kids. I was excited, I was going home. She let me know I was not going home with them. <laughs> that was another blow. Why can't I go home? I did the program, I'm okay now, I am cured. This was it, my marriage was over. I thought that since I'd been away from the house for a couple of months and that I had completed a program that I was entitled to come home. She had no idea the amount of stress I was under. Nowhere to go, no one to comfort me, nothing. I moved into a, cell, a sober living house in Modesto and started attending NA meetings regularly. I went to 90 meetings in 90 days, I got a sponsor and I started working the steps. It seemed like, a, it, seemed like it was getting me nowhere. Then one night at church, Luis Palau was there as a guest speaker. At the end of his sermon, he asked if anybody wanted to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I closed my eyes and said the prayer and accepted him as my Lord and Savior that night. Nothing exciting happened. I didn't feel different, and my wife still wouldn't let me come home. <laughs> but I did with, leave with a feeling of hope and peace. Okay, my husband is an addict. It made perfect sense. The sleepless nights, the mood swings, the things missing from our home, the undeniable distance that had built up between us. I made it my personal challenge to fix him so that I could be okay. I did my research on meth addicts, which by the way, I wouldn't suggest to anyone. I kept track of how many meetings he was attending, where he was going, who he was talking to. And through all of this, I claimed that I was not codependent. As Sam complained about his living situation, I was breaking the news to our children that their father was an addict. And as he complained about how bad the rehab was, I was struggling with how I was going to pay the bills. And as he complained about being able to return home, I was praying for patience. Our whole family started attending recovery meetings. Our children were able to come to us and be honest about their own struggles and that they wanted to um, research recovery for themselves. Even though the circumstances were not ideal, God was using it to make our family stronger. Well, about five months into Sam's recovery, he had open heart surgery. He was in the hospital for over a week, and when he was released, I reluctantly agreed to let him come back into our home. Things were very awkward and uncomfortable. We had no intimate contact, and I even made him sleep on top of the covers when we went to bed at night. <laughs> I was still very angry. I was angry that my husband was an addict. I had no idea how I was going to get through this, but God was working on me. With time, I slowly started seeing those good qualities in my husband again and found that I was falling back in love with this man who was changing before my eyes. We were still attending meetings, but I remained in denial until the day that my daughter brought me home the pamphlet for emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. This changed my world. Through tears, I finally admitted that I had some real issues and that I needed help. This was day one of my recovery. Nobody else's, just mine. After a while, I started attending a small group. I got a, celebrate I got a Celebrate Recovery sponsor and started working the steps with him right away. We met every week and went over my homework. I got into a step setting and I found freedom from doing the work. And I'm a person who doesn't like doing work. 
I also found it to be very humbling. I spent most of my life playing the victim role and blaming everyone and everything for why my, problem, why my life was so bad. I, I attempted many times to fix myself and I always returned to drugs. Nothing I did worked for me, but doing step work was changing me. I had started and completed a step study and things started changing all around me. There have been many struggles along this road of recovery. At just five months clean, I was in the hospital having difficulty breathing and lots of pressure on my chest. They found blockages in my arteries and scheduled open heart surgery. I was an addict and would do whatever it took to get my drugs, including faking injuries and the amount of pain that I was actually in, or uh, just so I can get uh, more pain meds or refills. I was scared. In my head, I started to question how hard it was to breathe and, and, the pressure on my, and how hard the pressure on my chest really was. Maybe it wasn't real. Turns out it was real and they did heart surgery on me. Shani let me come home to take care of me during the recovery process. I was happy. I was going home, back to my own house. That isn't until I got there. We were very distant and awkward. All the locks in the house had been changed and padlocks were put on the gate and sheds. It wasn't to keep others out, but to keep me out. I felt like a total stranger in my own home. It was very painful and awkward, but we began to work on our marriage. Shinny and I have grown so much since this journey began. It took a while and lots and lots of work on both our parts, but our marriage was changing for the better. We've become the best of friends and enjoy being around each other. Our family has, our family has also grown in great ways. Sure, we have our disagreements, but we have love and respect for each other, and we have way more fun than ever before. Maybe it's because I don't yell and cuss and scream at them. We all talk to each other and apply what we've learned through recovery. I wish, it, I, wish I could say it was because of our awesomeness, but it's all because of God, and we know it. We do our best to put God first in all we do, and each day we grow closer as a couple and a family. Shani and I were asked to serve at the front doors as greeters, and we did that for a long time. We both have facilitated step studies, and now we do the first-time guest group once a month, showing others the changes God has made in our lives. Being of service keeps us accountable and allows us to give back. Things certainly have changed since that day, since that, day that Shani had found out about my addiction. I thought that was it. End of story, marriage over, family gone. But God had a different plan. He is the one writing this story. If you were to tell, tell me 11 years, seven months, and 21 days ago that my marriage and my relationship with our kids would be what it is today, I would have laughed it off and said that you were crazy, and I probably would have blamed God for the reason it was so bad to begin with. Several years ago, we went on our wedding anniversary to a small place that we love called Dillon Beach. While there, Shaney, the one that threatened me with divorce and asked me to leave the house, got down on one knee and asked me if I would marry her again. Aww. Tears in my eyes, like now. She had the whole, she had the whole day planned. Our kids and our family were on the way to the beach where our son remarried us. It was a dream wedding. This, <clears throat> this is a marriage and a family restored as a result of Celebrate Recovering God's Great Plan. Amen. 
Now that I realized that I needed recovery for myself, I jumped in with both feet. I wanted some of the changes that I was seeing in Sam. I went to small group for emotional, physical, and sexual abuse and shared my struggles on the topic that night, boundaries. I used to believe that boundaries were to keep all people out so that I could stay safe. I would soon learn that boundaries were actually the tools that I would use to form healthy relationships. Five days after starting small group, I walked into my first step study. Soon after that, I got a sponsor. It was through my first step study where I learned who God truly was. He was the peace and contentment that I had been searching for my entire life. I found hope in his promises of faithfulness, forgiveness, and love. He freely offered these things to me. It was not a performance-based love. Once I started believing in these promises, he helped me with the healing process of working through all my fears, shame, and guilt. One of the most important things that I learned was how to love myself. I no longer live in the victim mentality that I used to use to justify my ungodly behaviors. I no longer listen to the voices that tell me that I'm not good enough, and I no longer find my worth in what others think or say of me. I am his precious child, and I have found great peace and acceptance in this knowledge. My walk with Christ was growing, and my life was starting to change. My relationship with Sam had already started improving when he started his recovery, but when I too started working on my own self, we grew even closer. I learned that he was not the only problem in our marriage and that I caused great harm to him and our children. Today, our marriage is based on love, honesty, and trust. This did not happen overnight, and it wasn't just handed to us. It took a lot of work. We have attended many marriage events, one of them being the Fight for Your Marriage class that Scott and Susie led here at Big Valley. I attended this class because it was suggested to us, but I honestly didn't think we really needed it because our marriage had improved so much at this time. But I was wrong. This class opened my eyes to my dysfunction in our marriage. Through this class and the tools that we have received here at CR, we have learned how to live together in a healthy manner, how to listen to one another, agree to disagree, and communicate what we're feeling instead of running when things are stressful. We have to practice what we have learned and forgive each other along the way because we are definitely not perfect. And after 22 years of marriage, we have this incredible friendship and an amazing love that just keeps growing because we work at it every day. Today, my husband and I encourage and support each other and we try to enjoy every moment that God gives us, which usually means he acts goofy and I laugh at him. <laughs> Now, we have had our share of struggles along with victories. My mom passed away early on in my recovery. My, my mother-in-law passed away recently, and I almost lost my life a while back having a heart cath done. While I was on the table, I had a massive heart attack, but fortunately, I was on the table when it happened, and they saved my life. My doctor suggested a plant-based diet. I had plus <laughs> still struggle with it. <laughs> I had blood tests done uh, just months after, my, after that, and my cholesterol was great. The diet was working. My wife, also on the same diet, wanted to have hers checked, as her cholesterol was also bad. She was excited to hear about her cholesterol, but instead she received a phone call informing her that she had cancer. Still chokes me up. Chronic myeloid leukemia. I am not the one with the cancer, but this is my biggest struggle so far. 
watching my wife struggle daily and being at a place of complete powerlessness is very difficult, but she encourages me daily. She knows God is using her for his good and perfect will. She is a beast. <laughs> These are things that would have caused me to relapse long ago, but this place is filled with miracles happening daily, and, it, and you are one of them. God is here. He's in this place. As Sam has shared, we have had our share of struggles in this journey together. But God uses these moments to pull us closer to him, which pulls Sam and I closer together. We share our struggles with you, not to receive sympathy, but to draw your attention to our Heavenly Father. If you look at our life today, you see him, his strength. What would have broken us before recovery, he has used to make us stronger. We laugh together every day and have a joy in our hearts that only he can provide. We may, we may not be as physically strong as we once were, but our spiritual strength is so much stronger than I ever knew was possible. And for that, I am thankful. He answered my desperate prayer three years ago and gave us more time together, not because we deserved it, but because he just wasn't done writing our story yet. Matthew 19, 26. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. If you are new, please keep coming back. You are the most important person here at Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery does work, so work it because you're worth it. If you've been here for a while, please keep coming back. If it wasn't for people, for the people who were here before us to guide us, we would not be standing here or sitting together, <laughs> excited about our marriage and seeking God through it all. Thank you for letting us share our story with you. Oh man, two of my favorite people in these rooms. I've uh, come to know them uh, quite well over the years and uh, it's been a joy. Sam, I still remember getting the phone call that uh, you were having a heart attack and uh, so me lollygagging my way to Manteca and walking in and they're like, you're literally, as I'm walking into the room with my big, large Diet Coke, I'm like, hey, how's it, how's it going? And the, he's having a heart attack at that moment. It was crazy. And uh, for some reason, they let me in the room. I had the chance to be able to pray with you guys. And uh, man, I enjoy our lunches at Sushi Garden where you had to switch to the veggie rolls, but that's okay. I enjoy all the shrimp and other goodness that comes in the other rolls, but uh, if you guys don't know Sam and Shaney, I encourage you to get to know them. I text them if they would share their testimony, because I think it's important for us to know, for those marriages out there, that there is hope. There is hope for our marriages in this room, and uh, their, their testimony of that. And when I asked, uh, Shaney responded with this. I think it was something like, I can't say no to you, Scott, or anything for you, Scott, I think is what it was. And uh, just what a great principle that sometimes we don't quite translate into the rooms of recovery that when there's things that are being asked of us that we would say yes and let God use us no matter what state we're in. She's fighting cancer. 
Sam's still trying to recoup from the heart stuff, and Sam's Sam. I mean, <laughs> so the fact that they would come up and share their story is very impactful. So hey, tonight I'm going to give you a topic. Rhode Island, it's neither a road nor an island, discuss. I'm um, just kidding. But our focus question tonight is this, is as you obey God's direction for confession, what results do you expect God to produce in your life? If you've done that, then how have you seen God work in your life after you've done the confession? And so just something for you guys to talk about in your open share groups or if you're online to journal about, talk to your sponsor about. Um, but let's stand again and let's say the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen.